It's Tuesday, January 7th, 2020, 105 days since the House began its impeachment inquiry. And this is Impeachment Today. Good morning. I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. Congress is back, finally, from their Christmas break and may or may not have a Senate impeachment trial date coming soon, question mark. We'll be talking about just what the fuck is happening and where we stand right now towards the end of this episode. First, though, we're talking to legal eagle and all-around good law person Chris Geidner about the man running the show at Trump's eventual trial, Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts. But before we get to all that, let's catch up on what happened yesterday. The biggest news on Monday came from John Bolton, and surprisingly enough, it did not have to do with the whole Iran situation that's going on. The former national security advisor had refused to testify in the House during the impeachment inquiry without a court order. But on Monday morning, he put out a statement through his political action committee about the pending impeachment trial in the Senate. Since my testimony is once again at issue, I've had to resolve the serious competing issues as best I could, based on careful consideration and study, Bolton said in his statement. I have concluded that if the Senate issues a subpoena for my testimony, I am prepared to testify. That's huge. Bolton was a key member of the president's staff throughout the Ukraine saga that ended with Trump impeached last month. Several of Bolton's staffers at the time did testify in the House inquiry, saying that he saw everything the president's B-team on Ukraine was doing and tried to block them, or at the very least, keep himself and others from being implicated in the, quote, drug deal, as one witness says Bolton called it. For Bolton to come forward and actually tell the whole story under oath, that could be a game changer. You'll note, though, that there's still a pretty big if in there. If subpoenaed during the Senate trial, Bolton will testify. Well, despite Bolton's newfound desire to speak the truth, that's not a guarantee. The question of whether there will be witnesses called at all during the trial is the second biggest divide between the parties in the Senate right now. The biggest, of course, being whether what Trump did is worth removing him from office. Senate Republicans, by and large, worked very hard to avoid commenting on Bolton's statement on Monday. Utah Senator Mitt Romney turns out to be the only one reporters could get to say he'd support Bolton testifying. I'd love to hear what he has to say. Um, uh, he has first-hand information, and uh, uh, assuming that articles of impeachment do reach the Senate, why, um, I'd, uh, I'd like to hear uh, what he knows. Senator John Cornyn of Texas did also say on Monday that he'd want to know more about what Bolton might say if called. But Cornyn speculated that what Bolton says might be testimony that helps the president. Which, I don't know, who knows? If Bolton says he thinks that everything was chill, maybe? But that seems pretty doubtful based on what we know. And then you have Marco Rubio with this argument. Would you vote to subpoena John Bolton? I, I wouldn't, because I think, in my view, the... Um our inquiry should be based on the testimony that they took that we are acting on articles of impeachment. And I believe we should be constrained by the information that those articles were based on. If the House wants to start a new impeachment inquiry or pull it back and add additional elements to it on their end, that's their choice to make. That's my view of it. Which, I gotta say, makes no sense. Not least of all because you could still keep the questioning of Bolton focused on the accusations contained in the articles as passed by the House. No fishing expeditions for more crimes, that's a fair point to make if we're talking about a trial. But asking about the alleged crimes the trial is about seems like something you'd want to be able to ask from, I don't know, witnesses. 
All right, it is time for today's reading from our nexometer. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale, zero is a normal day in a normal White House, and 10 is President Richard Nixon resigning and flying away in Marine One. This morning we're at an 8.1. Yes, yes, I know. Bolton may not even have anything resembling the sort of smoking gun it would take to get enough Republicans to vote to remove the president. But the fact that he's willing to talk at all is a pretty seismic shift. And it means that the pressure is on to actually hear from him during the president's trial. Okay, after the break, we talked to Chris Geidner about the man with the hammer. Not, not Thor, the other one, Chief Justice John Roberts. Be right back. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Roxanne Gay, host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Now, what is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, you might ask? Well, it's a podcast where I'm going to speak my mind about what's on my mind, and that could be anything. Every week, I will be in conversation with an interesting person who has something to say. We're going to talk about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. I start each show with a recommendation. Really, I'm just going to share with you a movie or a book or maybe some music or a comedy set, something that I really want you to be aware of and maybe engage with as well. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is time for this fucking guy. And today, we're talking about one of the most important fucking guys in the country. Chief Justice of the United States, John G. Roberts Jr. The G is for Glover, which is both weird and awesome. Joining us via phone from D.C. to talk about Roberts and what he's going to be doing when the impeachment trial eventually starts is Chris Geidner. Chris is the senior advisor for law policy at the Justice Collaborative and former legal editor here at BuzzFeedNews.com. Hello, Chris. I've missed you. Hello. How are you? Oh, you know, just impeachy right now. (laughs) Here we are. Happy 2020. Chris, you laughed at that, and that's why I appreciate you. (laughs) Okay, so let's back it up some. CJ Johnny Robbs, tell me a little bit about his rise to the top of the judicial system. How did he become chief justice? 
Yeah, I mean, it is sort of really interesting in light of the world we find ourselves in today with Donald Trump. John Roberts really found his way to the top of the system in the most traditional institutional ways possible. He went to a private school. He had all of the legal pedigrees. He was serving on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. He was initially George W. Bush's choice for an associate justice position on the Supreme Court. But then when Chief Justice Rehnquist died, he sort of got promoted before he was even confirmed to the Supreme Court and Bush nominated him to be the Chief Justice. And he was seen as a strong conservative voice. He's obviously in the time since then sort of gotten some pushback from conservatives for occasionally ruling with the more liberal justices on the court, most notably back with the Affordable Care Act in the day. But he has also found himself now up against this modern era of the Tea Party and then the Trump administration of anti-institutionalism being the highlight of the party that he was nominated to the Supreme Court by. And so he and Donald Trump are sort of the opposite paths to the top of two of the three branches of our government. So we'll unpack a lot of that in a second, but let's go back really quickly to his pedigree. Roberts was a mentee of his predecessor, Chief Justice William Rehnquist. Do you see a lot of comparisons between the two and how they've run the Supreme Court? I think that Roberts would be seen as much more similar to Rehnquist had we not entered the Trump era, had we not entered the Tea Party era before that. John Roberts has had to spend a lot more of his time, capital, and energy on protecting the institutional integrity of the Supreme Court. I don't think would have been his instinct going in. I think that he famously talked about calling the balls and strikes. Right. But he was also seen as a strong conservative and still is a pretty much dependable conservative. But the use of his voice on the court is when he stands out from that pack. And oftentimes that is when he sides with the more liberal justices, just last term, most notably in the census case. While he said that much power rests with the executive branch for such things, he said, well, this administration basically went too far. And, and you can do a lot, but you can't do this. And so while he sort of came in as very... Rehnquist like he's found himself being the leader of the court at a time when he's needed to focus more of his energy on like actually protecting the integrity of the court itself and not his more conservative goals for the court. So let's turn to the Senate impeachment trial. What exactly will Roberts be doing once it starts? We've been saying for months that once the trial starts, the chief justice will preside. What does that mean? Yeah, well, here's the fun thing. <laughs> we sort of get to apply one of my good old time favorite lines for the Supreme Court, they do what they want. We don't really know. We only have two examples of impeachment trials of presidents in U.S. history, Andrew Johnson and President Clinton, and they had very different circumstances, very different very different Senate makeup. And the bottom line is that the institutional historical 
precedence of the Chief Justice of the Senate suggests that it, it will ultimately, given what we know about John Roberts, like he's not going to be jumping in just to jump in. He has the ability to as the presiding officer, make judgments about rules of evidence and such. But the second portion of that is that a majority of the Senate can overrule any ruling on a rule of evidence. And so in theory, any ruling, if the chief justice does decide to interject in something in some way that Mitch McConnell and the Republicans dislike, in theory, they would be able to vote to overrule that and basically make a new rule. I think that what we're going to see instead of that is that John Roberts will be not even deferring, but conferring significantly with the Senate parliamentarian and sort of trying to, in plain sight, apply that balls and strikes methodology, working with the parliamentarian saying, what is your... (laughs) What's your take on this rule? understanding of what Senate practices are, because it isn't a a court trial. Right. It is the Senate has the sole power of impeachment. He is the presiding officer of that trial, but it is a Senate trial. So why does he even need to be there, I guess, is the real question that a lot of people out there have. Why even drag him into this? If it's not a court of law, he's not going to be able to make really serious rulings. Like during the first impeachment trial, Chief Justice Salmon Chase was all up ends, just like basically being a TV judge. And it just doesn't seem like Roberts is going to be doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think that the reality is that like you go back to the idea that this makes it more objective. If the president is being impeached, how do we make that look more fair to the country? Well, let's bring in the other branch. (laughs) I mean, like in your side job, you're also handling (laughs) world politics. Yes. Think about it in a, a, a way of like, how do you make such an important decision more institutionally legitimate? Mm -hmm. You make it that it is something that involves both of the other branches of government. This is a person who has independent responsibilities as a constitutional office holder. And I think that in a very different way, like we often talked about the fact that like Anthony Kennedy on the Supreme Court often talked about like his role in history and his legacy. I think that John Roberts thinks about that in a very different way, but similarly does think about like, this is my job. So what do you think that Roberts is actually doing to prepare for this, which is like the role of a lifetime? I'm sure he's doing his reading. I'm sure he's going through all of Sam and Chase's rulings. I'm sure <laughs> he's going through the deal made by Senate Republicans and Democrats in the Clinton impeachment trial, mm-hmm. looking at those times when Rehnquist did confer with the parliamentarian and weigh in in that trial. I'm sure he's looking through other impeachments, judicial impeachments, lower level officer impeachments, and seeing what it is that he should execute his role as presiding officer of the Senate exercising its authority to try an impeachment. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us here and imparting your deep, deep knowledge on us. I am so grateful and we'll probably come back to you at some point during this trial for more information. Well, best of luck to you. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. 
20 days since the House voted to impeach President Donald Trump. A full-on score of days. And we still have not started the trial in the Senate. And for once, I feel a deep connection with the members of Congress, as our schedule here is totes out of whack until we get clued in on when this shindig actually kicks off. So, starting today, though, we're introducing a new segment to close out the show. Trial Watch 2020. Basically, it'll be a quick update on what you need to know about what is or isn't changing with regards to this impeachment trial, what we can expect to happen or not happen soon, and eventually will be a look at how the trial is actually running once we get started. So, as of today, we're more or less where we were 20 days ago. The House has passed two articles of impeachment against the president. The Senate is still waiting to get those articles so they can start the trial. But before they can be sent over, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi needs to name impeachment managers. Those are the members of the House who will actually prosecute the case against President Trump, and they're the ones who carry the articles across the Capitol building to the Senate. They show up, read out the charges, and the trial begins according to the detailed set of rules that the Senate has in place. But no managers, no articles presented. No articles presented, trial can't start. The Senate has all of January blocked off to deal with this trial, so they can get started on their end at any time. The biggest holdup has been concerns that the trial that Republicans in the Senate organize will just be a rubber stamp vote to acquit. Democrats have been pushing for the Republican majority to promise that witnesses blocked from speaking in the House will be able to testify in the actual trial portion of impeachment. Before yesterday, it seemed likely that Speaker Pelosi would be turning the articles over ASAP since the push for witnesses seemed to be failing. But given the news that we told you about John Bolton earlier this episode, the calculations could shift in the Senate. I swear my hair is going to be completely white from stress by the time this whole thing is over. That's it for today. Tomorrow, we'll be back to tell you all about someone who has been at the center of this whole impeachment kerfuffle, acting White House Chief of Staff and kind of Director of the Office of Management and Budget, Mick Mulvaney. Lastly, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go to hear my disembodied voice. And uh, maybe, please, leave us a rating and a review. It's a great way to start the new year. Also, tell your friends about the show as we all figure this out together. Socks are the number one most requested item at homeless shelters. Underwear second, and shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first, made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear, and shirts too, all designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas, comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Lethal listeners, Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. 
but I hadn't counted on a rash of new murders tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger. Though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now, all signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on season one of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in season two, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.